But uh, I, over the next few t- the next few weeks, when I do the Sunday school hour, I do want to cover the book of Nahum. And uh, I've never preached through this book before, and there's really some very interesting things in here. Uh, I think it's important that we understand all of the Bible. And there's uh, the book of Nahum. What's interesting about it is it's a very specific prophecy for a very specific time. But it's kind of like when God had the prophets write these things down, he knew it was going to be in a book forever. And he knew, and so he put something in there that's for us too. There's things, so while the, this is a prophecy that has been fulfilled, this is an, um, we can also see within this prophecy something that's for us too. So uh, I think that's a very interesting thing about this. But just a little background before we start going through uh, this chapter, I'm going to go through all of chapter 1 today, but Nahum is specifically a prophecy against Nineveh. Now, can anybody, anybody think of another book that is against Nineveh? A prophecy. Yeah, the book of Jonah. Jonah is prophesying to Nineveh, and this is something very important to understand, because uh, Nineveh, that was the capital of the Assyrian army, and the Assyrians... They were a world power during Jonah's day, and it was around that time, too, when the Assyrians came through and they took uh, that northern kingdom captive. They tried to take over the southern kingdom, but you can read the story when Hezekiah was king, how God miraculously delivered them, and because Judah repented, and it wasn't until years later when the Babylonians came through that Judah ended up getting taken captive. So, you know, the Assyrians, or Nineveh, this was a very wicked city, uh, this was a very powerful city, but we do see when Jonah preached to them during that time, they repented. And because of that, God didn't destroy them. Now, the book of Jonah was written in roughly 767 B.C. And that was, that was around the time when Assyria was the world empire, Nineveh was the capital city. And so, uh, it's important that we understand, though, now, while Nineveh had a bunch of judgment coming to them. God basically, when, when God uh, did repented of destroying them during that time, it didn't change the fact that Nineveh still had judgment coming. But one thing we see throughout the Bible, when God would pronounce judgment on a nation, God would often allow a generation to be spared that judgment if they would repent. And then Later, when another generation would rise up that was like their wicked fathers, then, then the destruction would come. So even though Nineveh has been spared during the time of Jonah, judgment's still coming. It's still coming, but it did not come on that generation. It happens years later. So now in Nahum's day, we're at roughly 640 B.C. We're over 120 years later. About roughly 127 years later. Now, another interesting fact, too, we don't really see him living past 120 years during this time, which kind of tells me that God waited until literally everyone was dead from that generation of Jonah before he brought judgment. He didn't just wait 40 years, which usually represents a generation. He waited long enough that no one that was there during the time of Jonah was still around. This was a whole new generation so keep that in mind that when nahum's prophesying all these this destruction on them this time it's going to happen and this was stuff that was a long time coming so 
But there weren't any people from the days of Jonah. So let's not act like God was going back in his word. No, God spared that generation that repented. So very important thing to keep in mind. And so it was roughly around this time, shortly after Nahum prophesied this, where we see the Babylonians end up taking over. The Babylonians end up becoming the world empire. And then two, we end up seeing... Uh, that's when they end up taking Judah captive. So we're all familiar with those stories. But look at verse 1 of chapter 1. It says, The burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkoshite. Now, we don't know much about Nahum. He isn't mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. But uh, the activity in the foyer is very distracting. If uh, we could do something about that. But, um, there's no que- but there's no question, though, even though... Uh, Nahum's not mentioned anywhere in the Bible. There's no doubt about the validity of the book of Nahum because the Apostle Paul, he directly quotes a verse from this chapter. And so uh, we'll see that here in a little bit. But verse 2, it says, God is jealous and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious and the Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. Hey, can somebody talk to them in the foyer? I don't think they're hearing anything I'm saying and it's getting distracting. So... What's in, uh, so the Assyrians, they were somebody that was used by God to bring judgment to Israel. But another interesting fact too, while they were used by God to bring judgment to Israel, this is something we see God do all the time. Whenever you would, if you were the nation that God used, because you touched Israel, as a result of that, God would end up judging them. God would end up punishing them. So, um, just kind of, kind of an interesting fact. So God would use heathen to judge Israel, but then God would end up using that as a extra thing to bring judgment against that heathen uh, nation too. So that's what God was going to do with the Babylonians, the Assyrians. All those things happened to him. So just kind of an interesting thing. God often uses the wicked to deal with his people, but then... God ends up taking care of the wicked too. So understand, sometimes the world, you know, if we're getting out of line as a church, the world, they might come after us. The world might uh, persecute us. And maybe God's using them to deal with us, to straighten us out. And you know what? When that happens, you know, we just need to get right. But at the same time too, don't worry, they're going to get nailed too. But... Uh, at the same time, we don't want to worry about them. Let God worry about them. God's going to take care of them. We always want to take care of what's wrong with us. So verse 3 says, The Lord is slow to anger and in great power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. So Nineveh, while judgment's coming, it took God a long time. God was very slow to anger but at the same time, eventually, God is going to deal with people. So Nineveh, this judgment that's coming on them, they had it coming on them for over a century. So verse 4 says, He rebuketh the sea, and maketh it dry, and drieth up all the rivers. Bashan languisheth, and Carmel, and the flower of Lebanon languisheth. The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation and who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by him. And Nahum here is getting very poetic 
about the greatness and just the fierceness of God. And Nineveh and all the nations, they should be very afraid of God. They should be. Listen, in the foyer back there, I don't know what's happening today, but uh, service is going on, all right? Y'all aren't helping me out. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm not usually this distracted, but, all right, yeah, we, we really got to help. We've got to really do something, all right? I need to add some doors there or something. But anyway, uh, it'd be best if everybody just, you know, pay attention, I guess. But So uh, help, help me out here. But anyway, so this, the, the verse 7 he goes on to say, the Lord is a good, is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust him. And so what we're seeing in the book of Nahum that's very interesting is we're seeing what I call good news and bad news. We're seeing God is saying a lot of, I mean, like harsh judgment stuff, like judgments coming. But we also see hope added in there, too. We see good things that are coming for those who are on the right side. And that's how it is in the Bible, too. While we see a lot of judgment, while you see a lot of heaven, hell, all these different things in the Bible, it's, it's good news, but there, or there's bad news, but there's good news, too. Whenever judgment is coming, that sounds terrible, but the thing is, if you're on the righteous side of things, if you're the one that's being oppressed, then you know what? That's good news because we need these things to be stopped. Our world has a lot of judgment coming for it, and that sounds you know, it might sound terrible on one end, but at the same time, people are suffering in this world. Horrible things are happening in this world, and something needs to be done about it. So the question is, when it comes to all the doom and gloom, when it comes to all the tribulation, when it comes to all the wrath that the Bible prophesies about, here's the question that we need, you know, to ask ourselves, you know, though, is, is, do I consider this good news or bad news? And if you're somebody who is lost, if you're somebody who is being wicked, participating in the wickedness, all these things, then just understand, yeah, this is bad news for you. The book of Nahum, if you're from Nineveh, if you're wicked, this is horrible news. If you're from Israel, if you're from one of these other nations that's being oppressed or something like that, this is great news. And that's kind of how it is in the book of Revelation too. In the book of Revelation, what do we see? We see judgment. We see death. I mean, we see all these horrible things on earth side, but what do we see in heaven? In heaven, we see them praising the Lord. We see shouting. We see excitement. And so, you know, there, it, it's always interesting to like look at people's take on the Word of God. Some people look at the Bible and think, wow, this is really mean. But at the same time, you know what? God would be a pretty wicked God to not deal with the wicked, you know, to not, or to just let those things go. And that's not who he is. So, in, in, so in verse four, when it says he rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry, he drieth up the rivers in verse five, mountains quake in him, the hills melt, you know, who can stand before his indignation. This all sounds like pretty scary stuff, doesn't it? And this is pretty scary stuff. But then in verse seven it says, the Lord is a stronghold a, uh, in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust him. So on one hand, you've got earthquakes, you've got all this terrible stuff happening. But then on the other hand, he's like a stronghold. He's a place of safety. But notice, he's not a stronghold for everyone. It's for those who trust in him. It's for those that know him. And, and so that's what we need to understand about the Bible, 
There are a lot of doom and gloom type things that you can see in the Bible. There's a lot of doom and gloom coming, but yet at the same time, we don't have to see those passages that way. We don't have to get scared when we see those things because, you know, we, you know, as long as we're doing right, as long as we're on the Lord's side, He's going to protect us. And so this, in verse 7, it kind of goes and shows a completely opposite side of God. One that is good, of great comfort. And the truth is, it's like, well, which, which is God? Is He the terrible God that the mountains quake at? Or is He the good, nice God that's a stronghold? And the truth is, He's both. He's good and the stronghold to those that know Him and those that trust Him. But those who reject Him... Those who are wicked, he's an earth, you know, he's, he's a terrible God to them. He's, a, he's an earthquake. He's, he's terrifying to them. And this reminds me, too, of the difference that we see in the Bible of the day of the Lord and the day of Christ. And I believe that the day of the Lord and the day of Christ are the same day. But what's interesting, when you read all the verses about the day of the Lord in the Bible, they're scary. It's judgment. It's, you know, do, it is, it's, it's doom and gloom. Now, why is it? Why is it when it's talking about the doom and gloom, does it call it the day of the Lord? Well, because whether you are a believer or not, Jesus Christ is your Lord. Okay? And one of these days, every knee is going to bow, every, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord of the glory of God the Father. Now, that doesn't mean every, knees, you know, every knee that bows is going to be saved. Some of these people are going to have to bow the knee when they're about to be cast into, before they're cast into hell because they've already rejected him. A lot of these nations, when Jesus returns, they're going to bow the knee because he's about to execute wrath on them and ac- execute judgment on them. And so as Lord, he has the power and the authority to, you know, to lift up, to pull down, to destroy and that's what he's going to do for a lot of people. But then, when the Bible's talking about the same events, and it, talk, and it uses the term the day of Christ, or the same time, I guess, and he uses the term the day of Christ, well, what is another, what is a synonym for Christ? It's Messiah, right? And a Messiah, is, and it, a Christ is a very good thing. It's a comforting thing. This is somebody that the people were looking to, someone that was going to deliver them, somebody that was going to protect them, somebody that was going to get rid of their sins, somebody who was going to defeat their enemies. And so whenever you see Paul, he's, and he's talking to Christians, and he's talking about the good side of Jesus Christ at his return, he refers to it to believers as the day of Christ. It's the same day. So when Jesus Christ returns, that is the day that we're all looking for. I mean, that's the day that we are, uh, we're plan, you know, we're planning on having a whole day just celebrating that in the month of October, even though we don't know when it's going to be. But we, just like we celebrate events that did happen, like Christ's first coming, like Christ's resurrection, you know what? I think it's appropriate to celebrate something that he promised is going to come. Because it's sure, the, you, did you know that Jesus Christ is going to come back just as sure as he came the first time. So why can't we celebrate it ahead of time? I don't know. I'm declaring this. I'm declaring whatever day we picked uh, before uh, Rapture Sunday. I'm declaring it a religious holiday, at least here, only place I can. <laughs> and, 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 we're, and we're doing, and, and I th- that's one of the reasons I want to do that. I, do, I think we should celebrate that day. 
because it's going to happen. And we're excited about it. But that same day is going to be a horrible day for those who have rejected Christ. It's going to be a day of judgment. You know, it's going to be the same day that we're delivered. It's going to be like in the days of Noah, the same day that God put Noah in the ark, the floods came. It's going to be like in the days of Lot, the same day that Lot and his family was taken out of the city, fire and brimstone fell. So the same day that we're taken out of this world to be with Christ, on that same day, you know what? Judgment is going to fall on this earth. So do you see how those, those things, are the, it's the same day, but how it's so good for some people and it's so bad for other people. So what we have going on here in the book of Nahum is kind of a similar thing. This is really bad. What is being prophesied to uh, the people of Nineveh. But isn't this really good news for those who Nineveh was oppressing? Isn't this good news for Israel? So this is good news and it's bad news. So, you know, so when you, when you look at things in the Bible, and obviously, hopefully, you know, everybody in here, it's good news for you. But it's really bad news if you're not a Christian, if you're not saved. And it could be good news for you. That's a great thing about the gospel. It could easily turn into good news for you if you will accept it. But let's go ahead and keep reading. It says in verse 8, But with the, an overrunning flood, he will make an utter end of the place thereof, and darkness shall pursue his enemies. What do ye imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise up the second time, for while they be folded together as thorns, and while they are drunken as drunkards, they shall be devoured as stubble, fully dry. So this is looking like a very complete and final judgment. And remember, this is on Nineveh. Okay? But the way he's set dating this here, this is going to be a very final judgment. And here's the interesting thing about Nineveh, the Assyrians. You know, that, that empire, it, did, it went down and it's never come back. You know, these, these areas today are still very desolate areas they've uh they you know they know where these places are but they've never had any kind of return to power and we see that in a lot of places that god did major judgments on that those places today are just there's still nothing they're still uh wiped out desolate and nineveh is one of those places that really got that extra hardcore judgment on them so verse 11 says, there is one come out of thee that imagineth evil against the Lord, a wicked counselor. Thus saith the Lord, though they be quiet and likewise many, yet thus shall they be cut down when he shall pass through. Though I have afflicted thee, I will afflict thee no more. For now will I break his yoke from off thee and will burst thy bonds in sunder. So these enemies are all going to be destroyed and then God will be done afflicting them. And, he said, and one good thing about judgment that is for God's people too. You know, you know it's always going to come. We always know it's going to come to end. And again, sometimes God does allow afflictions in our life. God does allow judgment to come. God did that with Israel. God brought judgment. God brought affliction. But He always promised that it would have an end. And we see in Hebrews twelve eleven, it says, "Now no chastening for this present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous." Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. 
Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. And so we understand when God's dealing with us, it stinks, it's not fun. But you know what? It will end. And not only will it end, it will produce good in our lives. And we see too, while God used the Assyrians to judge Israel, while God used the Babylonians to judge Judah, we do see that those judgments that were on them, they came to an end and they survived as a people. They were restored to their land. But what happened to the Assyrians and Babylonians? They were wiped out. So again, God often brings the hammer down on his own people. But when he does, it ends, it produces something good. But when, it's, when he, God brings the hammer down on his enemies, they're just finished. They're just done. So even when we're being judged, even though we don't like it, even though it does not feel good, in reality, it is a good thing. You know, and God is dealing with us as children. And so whatever judgment and punishment he brings, it's going to have, uh, it's going to ultimately have a good result. And that, and that's, that's a blessing. So verse 14 says, and the Lord hath given a commandment concerning thee that no more of thy name be sown out of the house of thy gods. Will I cut off the graven image and the molten image? I will make thy grave for thou art vile. Behold upon the mountains the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace. O Judah, keep thy solemn feasts, perform thy vows, for the wicked shall no pass through thee. He is utterly cut off. Now, does that verse sound familiar to anybody? Anybody think of another place in the Bible where that may have been quoted from? We'll turn over to Romans 10:13. Now, I do not believe that Romans 10 is specifically quoting this verse. I'll show you why. I think it's actually quoting another Old Testament verse that sounds just like it. But at the same time, I do believe the same message is there. And this is what I really want us to get from this passage. So Romans 10:13, we all know this verse, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach? Except they be sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So notice that's pretty similar to what we see in, um, in Nahum, where it says, Behold upon the mountains the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, and it's like, wait a minute, how is peace being published when he's published, you know, when he's publishing doom and destruction? Again, you don't want peace for the wicked. You don't want peace for the destroyers. You know, the way to actually get peace is the evil workers have to be destroyed. Now, now listen, if you've been watching you know, politics long enough, you've been watching the news long enough, isn't that what everybody always acts like all the time? That the way to peace is just for all the good people to agree to quit fighting. You know, the way that we can all protect ourselves in America is if all the good people turn in their guns. It's like, listen, we have to eliminate the wicked for there to actually be peace. If the good people all turn in their guns, the wicked are just going to, they're going to keep being wicked. 
They're going to keep doing the things that they do. So understand, there is no peace to be published without the destruction of the wicked. That is, that is a part of the good news. That is a part of the peace. And, you know, I know we're supposed to act like we never want these things to happen. But, folks, we need them to happen. And so, it, uh, but in Romans 10, I believe he's directly quoting from Isaiah. Isaiah 52, 7 says something very similar to what Nahum said. It says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. So, it's very important that we understand these passages in Nahum and in Isaiah that Paul is quoting from when he says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. While, this is, while these guys were teaching an extremely positive message of Jesus will save you. Jesus loves you. He will forgive you. He will give you salvation. You will go to heaven. We also need to understand a big part of that message too is the other side that those who do not believe, those who do not listen, they will be destroyed. Destruction is coming for them. They are wicked. It's a good thing that God is going to finally deal with them. And sadly, what a lot of people are doing today, the gospel that a lot of people are preaching today is one that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Because you got a lot of people, they only want to talk about the positive. But, you know, there's got to be a negative side to it, too. Okay, you know, if you, if you want to talk about the gift of God being eternal life, you also need to talk about the wages of sin being death. Those things are both talked about in that verse. If you want to talk about heaven, one of the things that makes heaven so good is the fact, too, that there's a place called hell. You know, one thing that makes the sacrifice of Jesus Christ so great and so precious to us and so important is the fact that if he did not do that, we would be burning in hell. Nobody wants to talk about the negative side of things. But the negative side is just as much a part of the story as the positive side is. And so what I think that we're seeing here in this story is in Nahum. I believe what God was directly wanting to show his people is really he's wanting to give them two messages. One, he's letting Nineveh and not even just Nineveh. He's letting Israel. He's, he wants the other nations to know that I'm going to deal with this nation. These people, they have been wicked. They have been in control. They have brought destruction. They have been oppressors for years and years and years. And I'm going to deal with them. While that was bad news for Nineveh, that was good news for the rest of the world, wasn't it? And God wanted everyone to, God wanted everyone to understand that. that this was, so this was a message of hope and deliverance to Israel. But you know what else this is too? And I think we can prove this because of the fact that these things are used as precedent in the New Testament to talk about what's to come in the future. Right here, what we're seeing in the book of Nahum, where God was going to deal with the wicked during that time, is something that we are supposed to look at today and understand as this world gets more wicked, as persecution against the Christians grows, and while it's already huge in many parts of the world, 
Do you know what? It's good news to know that God's going to deal with them and that God is going to deliver his people. Deliverance is coming for us. Jesus Christ is, is coming back for us. And so I believe that there was, there was the message for that generation in the book of Nahum, but I believe too God clearly was sending a message to us in this generation that he's going to deal with our oppressors, he's going to deal with our enemies, he's going to deliver us, and he's and so God is pronouncing judgment on Nineveh in here, but God is also pronouncing judgment on the wicked of all the earth. God also in this passage is offering hope to Nineveh, the those who are being oppressed by Nineveh. He's offering hope to Israel. I believe this chapter 2 is also meant to offer hope to us who have to deal with the wickedness of this world. And those who would listen to the words of the prophets, you know, back then that judgment was coming, you know, they're going, you know, they were to call on the Lord after hearing the good news about God, and that's what we're supposed to do today. We're supposed to take these things, tell the world that judgment's coming, tell the world Jesus is coming back one of these days, and hopefully they will hear the words of the prophets. Hopefully they will hear the words of the scriptures. And if they do understand that is good news there, what we are telling people as we talk about all the doom and gloom and destruction and hell and people do, they get so mad about it. I, I've got a message on my answering machine because you know, it was, it was several months ago. Somebody from our church went to somebody's house and told them about a place called hell. And this lady was really offended by that. And it's just like, you know, I'm not going to yell at our soul winners <laughs> for telling the truth about hell. I mean, you know, I'm sure no, I don't, and she didn't even act like you guys are being a jerk. Just the fact that you dared to mention hell. How could you do that? My question is, how could we not? If we know that it's coming, if we believe the Bible, how could we not mention hell? And, you know, to her, that sounded like all bad news that we're bringing. But, you know, maybe if she'd listened to the rest of it, she'd seen the good news. You know, but again, if you're, on, if you're on the side of the wicked, if you're on the side of those who are rejecting Christ, this is all bad news. This is, what we see in Nahum was horrible news for Nineveh. What we read in the book of Revelation is horrible news for the world. But it's great news to those who will hear the gospel. It's great news to those who will believe. And you know what? How beautiful are the feet of them upon the mountains that publish peace. We're out there telling the, the things that we're telling people, we're publishing peace to them. You know why? Because those who are actually removing peace from the world, one of these days are going to be taken out. They're going to be destroyed. Jesus Christ is going to set up his kingdom. And so the message of God's judgment, it is, it's bad news for those who are still in their sin but it is good news to those that are forgiven. And that's what we see in here. And it is, it is, it's almost, you know, you see like just these two polar opposites of God being described in there. And the truth is he's both. It's all about where you are at. And if you are a believer, if you are saved, it's all good news. But you know what? If you reject Christ, if you want to remain in your sin, it's all bad news. And so, it does. It, it makes sense that the world reads the same Bible that we do and they get furious about it. 
while you and I, we get excited about it. And, and you know, and at the and at the another great thing about that is even though the world gets so stinking offended by that, you know, they act like we're so racist because we think people of other faiths are going to go to hell. Well, listen, there's nothing racist about it because literally anyone can be saved. You know, salvation is for the whole world. Jesus Christ is for the whole world. And so the book of Nahum, it is, it's a very specific prophecy. It's been fulfilled, but God put it in the Bible for a reason because it is, it's one more, it's one more proof that God deals with the wicked and God takes care of his people. And we needed that proof because God knew that the you know, days were going to come where we were going to be in a similar situation, but really on a larger scale. And, and so that's why God has preserved these stories for us. And that's why he's preserved this story. So I hope this was a help and a blessing. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for uh, the comfort that we get from uh, this chapter. Lord, it is. It is good news to us. And Lord, I pray you'll help us to uh, publish these things to the world. And I pray that we can get as many people to uh, be, get on the good side of this and to believe the message of your word and to understand that judgment is coming, but you've also made a way of salvation. And so I pray help us to make a difference in that area. I pray a blessed service in the next hour to come. In your name we pray. Amen.